Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity once again. We're back. I'm your moderator, JP, and as always, I am here with Father Chuck. What's happening? And Matt Wells. And we have a guest. Guys, well, guys, you like to... guys we, we have a legend, a legendary guest. If yeah. you've listened to the podcast, you know that I'm all into self-promotion. And I wrote a book, by the way. I wrote a book, Fix Me, Love Them, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, buy one, it'll be copy number five sold. Um, <laughs> but the person joining us today is one of the pivotal reasons that book was written and is my cousin Amy, who is the one that the book talks about the conversation I had that kind of changed everything and is where the book came from. Yes, so welcome, we have Amy. Amy here. Hello. I'm, my heart is racing and I'm having sudden guilt because I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the first time I'm hearing that and it's so meaningful mm-hmm. to me. Can we have a hug? Aww, hugs. <laughs> so, is that, is, well, that, I, is I, that admitting that you've never read his book? Nobody, no, I don't have it. No, nobody read my book. It's <laughs> That's I've read paragraphs. Paragraphs. It's definitely on my reading list, like um, <laughs> as a desire, you know, as a personal desire of mine for yeah. sure. Not like obligatory read. Totally serious. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I Matt had mentioned. Uh, uh, that that was the case, Amy. That you uh, you were in, in the book and helped inspire it. Uh, but I, I thought you were going to be on our show to talk about how much you you loved the show because you you, you, know, you listen to it and and you I tell do. Matt that you I like it a lot. And I, there, yeah, there is like this uh, little bit of like celebrity thing. Like I'm realizing I was even contemplating it on the way over here. And I grew up <laughs> with Matt, but it's funny that there's been this duration of time that I've spent more time with Matt on. Um, you know, through the speakers, through the podcast, you know, <laughs> to where it's created this like disconnect. Like the, there are these people out here that are doing this really cool stuff, you know, and following through. And it's like a quantum leap, a little bit from your kitchen washing the dishes, listening to the podcast, to actually sitting down in my kitchen the recording podcast. the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very fun for me. Well, we're we're glad to hear that you listen, or and we're uh, very glad that you're here with us to to talk today. Uh, we don't have a topic this is going to be one of our uh riff tastic uh riff jams mm-hmm. what do you guys think of the term riff jam i think i want to start using that for these episodes riff jam is that is that okay is that... i kind of have neutral feelings about that term <laughs> if you like See, it i like it <laughs> uh chuck isn't no, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, 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 I'm weighing I'm, it out in my mind because it's okay. I'm becoming know, self-conscious they're uh, kind of I'm, you know, it's, it's it works. It's very musical, uh, riff and jam. It's like you know, jam session, jam band. I'm you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, and it sounds like Space Jam. That's or Pearl Jam. Or uh, oh, well, <laughs> never mind. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Forget it. Um, here's the thing. This is going to be a riffing episode, but there is something I need to bring up immediately okay. on this show. Immediately, and I need Matt's opinion right now. Amy, if you have an opinion, that's Immedi- also awesome. Immediately, ten minutes into the episode. Yes, exactly. Uh, I need to know what everyone thinks about a Buffy reboot. I think it's time. You know, that's another really funny, JP, you just hit another really funny connection to our guest sitting here. Do you know that did, Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer premiered on a night where I was at your guy's house? Oh, really? And Megan's <laughs> like, there's this new show coming on. We should watch it and turned it on. <laughs> 
And we didn't wind up watching the full episode that night, but as everybody knows, I became a huge fan of that show. Didn't you so have an autographed poster? I did have room. an autographed picture in my room. Michelle uh, Geller. Super jealous. <laughs> uh, are you sure? I mean, are, are you sure it was real? Or because you know that's no, a we're thing. sure it's real. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the news. The news. It had, it had a certificate news. that also could not be forged. <laughs> okay. Well, that's yeah. That's, sounds legit. Um, there was news over the weekend that uh, Joss Whedon uh, announced that Buffy would be getting the reboot treatment. Um, he's kind of stepping back as a showrunner. He's hired an actual showrunner named Monica Awusu-Breen, uh, who's worked on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, they're saying that Buffy will be black this time around. Uh, they're rebooting. Apparently, they're rebooting the character, like starting from square one. So... And I'm excited. I think it sounds awesome. Just it's more Buffy. I, I can't complain about that at all. So I don't know. I, I wanted to bring it up on this show. I, I know Chuck probably doesn't have much of. An I, no, I have. But... I have. I have. I have feelings on it actually. I but I I feel nervous about say, about about some of my 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 my, <laughs> my questions. Um, yeah. Mostly because I guess I'm trying to think of how I can say this in a way that is that is going to come across accurately. Okay. Um, I have a feeling what those questions are because everyone's been asking them. Yeah. yeah so, you know, it's I'm been just, all over the internet. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I won't, I won't broach it. I guess, I guess my, my the thing is, is that I guess, because the concept of Buffy mm-hmm. is that she's supposed to be what, like the final girl from a, from a horror film who fights back, or she's supposed to be one of the victims, but is suddenly, yeah. Right. Kind of yes and no to both. Um, the original concept was basically, you know, in the horror movie, he always chases like the blonde girl down an alley and she's helpless and can't do anything. And it was like, well, what if she's the one that turned around and and beat him up and won? So basically, like, what if you reversed it to where who you thought was supposed to be the victim was actually what those things are afraid of? Right. Is kind of the thing. Yeah, I mean, I, what what I'm interested, I guess here's where I, here's where I'm going with this is obviously people because it's the internet um, has have probably grabbed onto the race component of this, and it probably uh-huh. and, and my I will just say my first question of this is is Buffy is kind of like the name Buffy <laughs> by itself has a racial component of a dumb white blonde girl, which. It's and... funny because Disney has a show currently, um, Andy Mack, where a character is named Buffy and is not a white girl. Okay, so so I guess things are shifting. But like that's when, mm-hmm. when I saw that name, I just sort of think like that Buffy is is kind of a stereotype. Like that's the you know it's sort of like it's sort of like Becky or whatever you hear. Yeah, like in... well, yeah, because the the original uh, script that Joss Whedon wrote, it was definitely Buffy was definitely a Valley Girl. Right, right, right. Which, which is not really a thing anymore. So. Right. So, so, so changing the trope, I guess, is one thing. But I guess what I what what I'm intrigued by this is is that the feminist piece behind mm-hmm. what Buffy is, and by changing the race of the character, helps address I think a key problem that we see in feminist conversation is that question of is feminism only for white women? Yeah, that's true. And so to to to, sh- to to change an icon of feminism into mm-hmm. a woman of color adds adds an interesting 
angle to this. And that's, that's where my, that's where my thoughts are. Like I said, I'm trying to be very careful in how I talk about this. Cause I don't want to sound You're like, doing fine. I don't want to sound mm-hmm. like normal guys who look like me <laughs> who have thoughts on these things. I think that my only concern is that they're not sort of like using the story of Buffy to make these points and that they're not going to do it well. You know, as far as the casting of the characters, you know, I don't really care, like, as long as it's a really great actress that holds the part well, and as long as it has really great writers, you know, but if they just, you know, kind of do some of those more important parts of the show, like halfway, just to kind of like, make their statement about yeah. inclusivity, then I think that it's kind of using the Buffy story. And I don't like that as much. And that's what and that's what the first the original Buffy series did so well. Like if you go back now, JP, even as a, one of the biggest fans ever, it's sometimes hard to watch because it's very dated, very, you know, I mean, the acting isn't always the greatest. Whatever. Um, but. but but the writing in that show was amazing. Yeah. And the way it dealt with issues like feminism like sexuality mm-hmm. like um depression and sorrow and healing the way it dealt with those was unbelievably like ahead of its time um, and they 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 did it, touch on the announcement that they were planning to kind of go back to that paradigm where there was going to be issues of the day sort of metaphorically represented through like horror movie tropes and stuff but we've seen a lot come after Buffy that is a yeah. direct result of Buffy, and none of them have been anywhere near the level of that original. So it no, is I... a little it is a little disheartening to think of how it could just become another vampire diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, which <laughs> well, I which yeah. I enjoyed that show for a couple seasons. Very surface level show. It's not it's you know, it's all flashy. It's a bunch of good-looking people fighting evil things and not messing their hair up. Like, CW. Yeah. Um, and yeah. everything is vampires versus werewolves. And... Oh, it's, so, it's, so, it's so done and so old. Um, one thing I just, wanted to, I just wanted to mention, since JP, or Matt, one of you mentioned it using, I guess it was you, JP, talking about using these horror tropes to talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... it's, it's it, I know you both are big horror fans. I'm not a huge horror fan. You know, I like, I like, I ha- I'm very selective in my horror movies. Um, but if they're I, not as brutal as Alien, he won't touch them. I, <laughs> it's funny because he, yeah, we, we can go into that. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I am fascinated that the horror film genre is the one genre that seems to really tackle this stuff in a pretty mm-hmm. like head on way rather than, like some of our dramas, indie dramas, sort of pussyfoot around this stuff, whereas like horror just makes it very visceral. It's like no other no other film genre seems to really do that as much. I mean, comedy kind of, but not really. Um, yeah, they're still using the stereotypes too. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Because like like the purge because like the purge the, the purge movies are like oh, yeah. all up like they've they've just really. Like I've not seen any of them, but I'm I'm like kind of want to watch all of them. Like, maybe not well, the first one, but I'm just fascinated by the fact that they're like they've gone from like this schlocky premise to like these important social statements. Yeah, they they're not subtle anymore. Like yeah, <laughs> that, no, it's like no, it's very very straightforward now. Like the you know the subtle message of the the upper class ruling over the lower class and wiping them out so that they could own everything. 
is now just flat out lines in the new movie. Like yeah. we have to get rid of the lower class. Like yeah. they just flat out talk about it. But I think that the horror genre, um, like you said, comedy doesn't even really tackle stuff the way horror does. I would I would say that stand up comedy does tackle issues in the way that yeah. horror movies tackle yes. issues. And there's something freeing about the genre of horror where people are coming in expecting to face something that mm. we don't want to face. Um, that's the whole point to a horror movie is we're going to face a mm. fear or a being that we don't want to come face to face with. And I think that frees you to then put in issues that we also don't want to like it's we all want to confront these but we don't really want to confront them because we're afraid of confronting them so if you yeah. put them in there with these other things it's like you're already here to deal with something you don't want to deal with yeah, to be uncomfortable. so let's just talk about all of it and it kind of frees them to to go in places that other movies don't and in ways that can be purposely cheesy and fun or ways that can be surprisingly deep and meaningful um and uh, yeah, it's I just even the stupid bad horror movies are just a good time, guys. Good time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, from what I understand, Matt, you've been uh, you've been kind of getting down with some. Uh, yeah, well, with, <laughs> with some we, horror films. Uh, a family friend of ours and myself have kind of launched on this competition of who can find the cheesiest, worst horror movies ever. And I've gone into like seven levels of if since you watch this, you might like this on Amazon, <laughs> where my Amazon Prime list is horror movies that literally look like it was filmed from my phone, but not this I phone. Fe- like I feel like that's phone. most of Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Like, guys, I... I decided to attempt to cleanse my palate and watch Jaws. So now Amazon is recommending that I watch Flaws with an F, (laughs) which is a pool skimmer that eats people. (laughs) Um, What? And so that's how my life has become. I have to see that. Um, No, I clicked play last night on the first 15 minutes of this movie. It literally takes place in a person's backyard at their swimming pool. And that is the whole movie. Like, I clicked play. I watched, like, 10 minutes. I was like, I can't do this. And I fast-forwarded just where you can see the scenes going by. It's that little tiny swimming pool in the backyard <laughs> for the entire movie. Is it like a is it like a beat-for-beat beat remake of Jaws just featuring a pool skimmer? Because... <laughs> no, it, it, it was... It seemed like that's where they were going with it because that's how it opens is like the drunk guy and the girl and she goes to swim and the pool skimmer eats her. Because uh, I, I really want, because I really would love for like the third act of that movie to be like the community like condo commando, um, like a pool cleaning like guy and uh, like a mechanical engineer who specializes to, uh, in pool skimming technology. Synopsis, no, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. No, I'm not done. All of them are on a boat set in that pool. It's a raft, a small blow-up pool boat raft. Um, Fast-forwarding, I could see the raft. They are on a boat in the middle of that pool. And according to the synopsis, you pretty much just nailed it, Chuck. So this movie was made for you. Okay, confession, I made that movie. 
Uh, wow, I'm gonna like watch that as soon as we're done with this, like right away. That'll next episode, guys, will be flaws. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I feel like Amazon Prime is doing this uh, intentionally um, because their selection is basically like a, a truck stop DVD bin. <laughs> like so hard to find <laughs> a good movie on Amazon Prime, and yet like, so easy. So, so easy to watch something. <laughs> no, it's so easy to waste days of your life watching their movies, but it is so hard to find a good one. Yeah. So, so Amy, what are you into? But yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, Amy's here. <laughs> um, this week, currently, my head is in the yoga space. Most of all, I tend to fluctuate between where my focus is. But yesterday I just did like a presentation for an insurance company's HR wellness program to start doing some yoga classes with their employees there. Um, oh. So I do, you know, the PowerPoint and stuff like that. So I went pretty deep over the weekend. <laughs> um, every time I try yoga, I just fall. Mm. It's it's really embarrassing and probably hilarious. Yeah, uh, maybe you're just trying things that aren't for you so much. It's a... Yoga's big, you know? You can just yeah. kind of lay down on the floor and roll around. Do some deep <laughs> breathing. <that's, laughs> child's pose. Just child's pose and downward dog, JP. That's just, those are, that's your, that's your Waterloo right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so how long have you been uh, teaching yoga? So August 2008. So I'm actually oh, celebrating wow. my 10-year anniversary this summer. So you're you're like a, a black belt in yoga, like. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been thinking that I'd really like to. I was actually just saying yesterday that I'd love to have like a kind of like well, I don't know. The scouts do this, but certainly like the brownies with like the patch system that you like earn patches based on your achievements. Like I'd like to create some kind of patch system for my students, you know, to kind of recognize their progression That's a great idea. in practice. Isn't that a great idea? I think it's so, so like. Each patch is like a, a yoga uh, uh, pose. Uh, was that uh, uh... maybe like something they're working for, or like uh, you know, consistency and practice? Maybe instead reward, of like belt colors, so you could have like yoga mat colors. Hmm. Like <laughs> or patches, way, patches on your mat. All right, that new store five below. You can get a yoga mat for five dollars now. Oh, hmm. nice. That's that's the uh, my, my flip flops are yoga mat. Where are they? Yeah. I um um th Matt, I need you. I need you to do something. I need you to start taking yoga so we can start calling you Yoga Matt. Yoga. <laughs> that's your podcast name. You are Yoga Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, I would just like to say that on this episode, Father Chuck beat me to the dad joke. Congratulations. <laughs> nice. Uh, I I have a yoga mat. Um. I haven't used it in a few years. I, <laughs> I was drawn to it because it had a sling, and it made me feel like Nicolas Cage in National Treasure when I wore it. This is why we do a podcast. As soon as he said that, I know exactly what he's talking about because of the <laughs> Declaration of Independence on his back. And yeah, no, mm. like, yeah, you're good. You're good. When I'm telling people about just you know incorporating a little into their life what i compare it to is brushing your teeth you know if you didn't brush your teeth your whole life and someone introduced a toothbrush to you like imagine how it would be for you the first time you got your whole mouth clean you know or oh, yeah. more than a set of teeth so right the first time you do it your mouth just starts bleeding profusely <laughs> so that <laughs> 
Yeah. Dude, I mean, that I would be Jake's fault. <laughs> I can be before. But it gets better, you know? Yeah. So we, we, offer, we offer on Tuesdays here at St. Andrew's School uh, yoga for the faculty in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And I have... I have had Tuesday days off and, and other things going on. So I'm actually excited because now I've shifted my day off to a different day of the week. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to start doing this, Amy, to actually like, because I've done yoga off and on um, without any kind of degree of consistency. So like when I, when I like feel like I'm liking it and then something changes in my life and I'm not able to like continue going to like a Saturday class or whatever. So uh, my, this, my year, um, just as a personal thing, two things I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to I want to do yoga because I think it's it's one it's good for me, um, but also community, hanging out with people that are in the you know and seeing them and outside of the work environment. Um, the other thing is they finally trained like five guys at my school um, that can do. We have so we have a rock wall here at the school like over like a rock wall gym um, that mm-hmm. some parent awesome. was just like here you guys need this, and mm-hmm. we don't we've we've not had anyone who's known how to like do that like how to sort of you know no 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 it's like assist because you need like an assisting person and you know like a mm. I can't remember what it's called like the person who holds the rope while you but I, uh. anyway obviously I've never done this but I am completely terrified of heights and so mm-hmm. I I'm going to try to confront that talk about confronting fears through mil- film cool. yeah. I am going to so yoga and rock wall that is my goal nice. I really That's- appreciate that Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to be like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2 where he's like jumping off the cliff. But and... what I'm also yeah. hearing yeah. is if I if I study yoga really quick and miraculously get good at it and learn how to do the ropes and stuff for a rock wall, I could have a job. <laughs> <laughs> so and, I'll be the rock wall assistant. I don't know. And, <laughs> and a sash with different patches because that's that's really what we need (laughs) i think that's an awesome idea you know amy amy has another talent and i just thought of it ties in an interesting way and if this doesn't go anywhere then we can get rid of it but ties in an interesting way with our world here on the podcast and your interesting talent is hula hooping Mm. and how it ties into our world at the moment is you seem to be in high demand with mega churches. Yeah. <laughs> really? Funny development, the official circus of God. Yeah. Over here. <laughs> yeah. And it's been a really good time. And I, you know, coming from, you know, mostly nightclub, St. Patrick's Day parties um, yeah. that were hiring me, the people at church are very, very nice <laughs> and very appreciative and just come yeah. around and just say, Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, but it's a big, um, it means a lot to me in a funny way because, you know, through my adolescence, I was the black sheep and I sort of had to make a decision between being, you know, acceptable within the church and within the Christian members of my family or, you know, going ahead and pursuing the things that interested me, even if um, they seemed silly or controversial or something like that so it was this whole big path around the block and so then to be hired by the church you know where they put me you know not center stage but side stage you know in these mega churches and everything and just to sort of like be acknowledged by the church that you know hey we appreciate what you've done we appreciate how 
um, God has led you to unique um, interests, you know, and we, you know, it, it's just, it was a affirm, affirming <laughs> for me, finally. <laughs> That's fascinating. So, so what, what do you, like, how does hula hooping like, I'm curious how it, how it gets integrated into, into church. Is this like you teach classes on people how to do it? Or is this like a performance art thing? Well, it's just, um, yeah, it's a performance art thing. It's just kind of part of a series of things that I've done that weren't like the sort of plan that was like laid out for me, mm-hmm. you know, as uh, a young girl, you know, I should have gone to college and I should have stayed like within the church, like even yoga, you know, and I also um, do tarot readings for people. And like that especially was something that it just kind of, you know, kept coming to me, you know, the first, sorry about that, the first uh, deck that I worked with was a gift to me. The first book I got was a gift to me. And then I, you know, just started learning about it. And then people started coming to me. And, you know, I prayed on it. And I was good at it and stuff like that. But I was really, really hesitant um, to do that. Because that was especially scary being that, you know, that's even, I would say, like, beyond yoga from a Christian paradigm of, like, we're getting into, like, witchcraft and dark magic stuff. But I've really sort of come to believe what most people are calling witchcraft, you know, through the decades is really technology that they don't understand. (laughs) And I have a framing around tarot that really fits into what science is currently saying about how the mind functions and projects um, reality, you know, so it's more of a a method of using archetypes to get more information from like our subconscious mind or to access information that um, where we already know things, but our busy mind is confusing us, you know, where we worry and we have fears and stuff so- like that. It's helping us get past our fears to a place where we're just more knowledgeable. Like horror movies. <laughs> to go back to full circle. Yeah, yeah. No, but so you so you see it less as a quote quote spiritual exercise and more of like an ancient psychology. Um, I approach it as an ancient psychology, but I've had so many goosebumpy type experiences that I can't say what I know for sure. And so my general rule with yoga, with tarot, with um, concepts of God in general is just like. I don't know. And I don't claim to know anything that I can't possibly know for sure. But I'm very open minded. And I think that for me, I'm willing to experiment with some things and see how they feel for me um, without not without necessarily being able to like look at hard scientific evidence and say, this is how this works, you know. So but, you know, all this, all of these things that I have really been for me um, within the context of my personal relationship with God and what I felt that God was calling me towards and like my gifts and my service. I mean, even the Bible does say that some people have the gifts of prophecy. And I want to say that I'm a prophet, but I'm highly intuitive. You know, I've always been able to sense things that people have going on and I'm a really good listener, you know, and so I know that this is a way. So yeah, it all kind of like comes together in that inner conflict of doing what I've been told God wants me to do as opposed 
um, to doing what I feel that God is calling me to do in my own truth. Wow. Um, so this is, this is as a, as a, as, as a priest, um, like, I love that we're having this conversation because one of the things that uh, people who are more like, you know, studied in this stuff than you and I am, um, have noted that we see sort of in the Western world, largely sort of a collapse, a collapsing of institutionalized religion. In other words, people just aren't like necessarily going to church anymore. Mm. I mean, in America, I mean, we hear that and there's a lot of panic, but I mean, America is still, you know, overwhelmingly a church going type, you know, populist. But what seems to be happening is, is as the numbers are dropping on that, um, people claiming spirituality mm-hmm. is on the increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, what I, when I think about this stuff, I think of something, the term that JP uses is, um, is the idea that, you know, religion or whatever is supposed to get us in touch with the, with the grand mystery of the universe. Yes. And the, and so where I'm fascinated by, cause I recognize it in my own life, I, you know, growing up fundamentalist sort of Baptist, um, being evangelical for a little, non-denominational evangelical for a little while, and then coming to the Episcopal Church, the thing that that I realized that I was missing was spirituality. Mm. You know, church was church was a thing I did on Sundays. Um, when I was a teenager, I was very attracted to Buddhism, um, particularly Zen Buddhism, because partly it was just you know, to be quite honest, I've been branded a weibo <clears throat> before in my life, and so I'll take the, that I'll own that fact that there's you know I've been guilty of of being that being a you know or Orientalist <laughs> type you know problematic things. But what for me was there were, you know it seemed mysterious and other, and people um, you know they seemed it, it was like holistic. It was a part of their entire being. It wasn't just like oh we put a suit on tie on one day a week and we go to this room where we mm-hmm. sing a bunch of songs and we listen to a guy kind of yell at us for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we feel guilted about, you know, that we need to read a Bible every day. Um, that there was just something a little more grounded. It's a, a little... practice. It's like right. a daily yeah. path sort of thing. Well, yeah. and, and, and so the, and so within, so experiencing Anglican Christianity and the idea that this, this religion is, uh, something that is holistic. And I realized it was spirituality. That was the thing I was always drawn to. The thing I was missing, I should say, was, was spirituality. And to come to, a, to come to a place where those two things, are, you know, it's religion and the spirituality and that these things speak to each other and are a part of each other. And even to go so into, like, into mm-hmm. seminary where it was frustrating to see how sometimes even the theology, the God stuff was so academic. It wasn't mm-hmm. spiritual. Um, and encountering one of my dear friends, um, who's, who's now gone on to his eternal reward, um, Bishop Mark Dyer, um, who was a Benedictine monk for 11 years, um, and then later an Episcopal priest and then an Episcopal bishop. Um, and the way that he talked about this stuff and how it was rooted in prayer, not just academia. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, so I think, anyway, I'm, I'm saying all this stuff because I, I, I realize, and I think we all recognize that there is a hunger in this world for something beyond just what sort of seems rational or every day yeah. that there is a spiritual yeah, like a significant experience right and not just yeah. and not just somebody who's going to sit there Being and meaningful yeah someone's going to sort of <laughs> tell us what we need to do or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and it's funny because my wife and i were having this exact 
conversation two nights ago at like one in the morning because that's when I get home from work. Mm-hmm. We randomly got into this conversation because of our church past and things we've gone through and stuff. And I said, I was like, I, I do feel like the, and I'm going to generalize and say the church, but I, I think everybody here, so I'll gen- explain for audiences listening. When I say, when I speak about the church and I talk about it having a problem, I'm talking more specifically about the Western Americanized church and the problem on a big scale, not individual churches mm-hmm. and not what the Bible is saying when it says the church is mm-hmm. the body of Christ. Um with that being said, the the church in America, I think that that is the big problem, is it's lost its, its touch with spirituality. It's become um, mainly academic, mainly a way of understanding so that you can act a certain way. Yeah, not and, even like ritual-based, right. but just really heady. Yeah, yeah like academic, is, it's just like, let's all just like sit around and like think about God. <laughs> and I was and I was telling my wife, I was like, if you read the Bible and really read the Bible and just see what what Christ is saying, what the church is doing, how the world is reacting, spirituality and Christianity is something that should feel it should feel dangerous. What mm. you're involved in should feel <laughs> dangerous. It should feel exciting and passionate. There should be there should be a level of it where you're like, you're on the I don't edge, really you know. know if I want to be involved Will in this. Will I survive this? There mm-hmm. should be an aspect of it that's like, this is going to shake up everything, yeah. and I don't really know if I want to do it. And that's who Jesus was. And if you're not feeling that, then I would argue you're not actually involved with Christianity and what it means to follow Christ and attempt to live out the way he wants us to live out in the world. Because if you're just going, it's clear cut it's us versus them, it's this way or you're mm-hmm. out, then that's not that's not what I see in the Bible. It's not the passionate, dangerous, exciting life that was constantly moving things forward. Mm-hmm. I was like, like, if you read the Old Testament, there's clear-cut things that are like, don't do this, don't do A, B, C, and D. And then by the New Testament, it's like sometimes that A, B, C, and D has changed, but the underlying message of why you did it and what God wants you to, to be doing didn't change. But if that change isn't occurring, isn't moving forward, if we don't move from the, the Old Testament idea of kind of like treat your slaves better to the New Testament idea of nobody should be a slave, like... Mm. We, we have to see that there's a movement through culture that's driven by the message of the Bible. But if you're not involved in that movement through culture, if it's not, if you're not at the forefront feeling like you're actually involved in something that could potentially like mess up everything, I feel like you're not doing it right. And the church yeah. has become a comfortable place to hear about how it was done before instead of a place that's saying, here's what we need to do now. Yeah, what I... What I what I what I think one of the great sins of the church, the Western church in particular, is that we made all of this stuff boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, like every week, like every week, I tell people that they're eating God. I mean, come on, like that's weird. <laughs> and drinking his blood. Yeah, you're like like yeah, like you're ingesting God. Like 
That's, that's so yeah, there's, there's nothing normal about that. Um, well, and even even like baptism, I told my wife, like, think about baptism and how the church does it now. And yes, it was always and should always be like a celebration. I get that. But the church does it now, especially like the very the, the non-denominational megachurch style. It's like, let's go somewhere. Let's dunk you in the water and let's all cheer and applaud. I was like, but in the Bible, that was like at times a death sentence. Like it's publicly going, I am part of this. And I realize mm-hmm. that that's going to put me apart from everything else and cause certain people to, to hate me for it. But to take a public example of like, I, I'm doing this anyway. Um, we've lost that level of how, how big this is really supposed to be and how all-encompassing it's supposed to be and kind of turned it into a a fun thing to do and to find out how we can be nice to people and then be a part of a group of people that think like us and are also nice to people instead of change things, like really change things, mix it up. It's ritualized drowning. I mean, that's that's its roots. It's ritualized (laughs) drowning. Mm -hmm. I mean, like it's it's literally that you're symbolizing being dry, like dying yeah we're putting you down there to, to die and come back from the dead <laughs> it's like, i mean the is... original the original baptistries in churches were octagonal which is which was also what a greek mausoleum was designed to look like like it was meant to be this is death and i mean basically it's the really crappy person that you were before is dead now you're being born into a new opportunity to be a less crappy person and that will also probably lead to your real death if we're talking the ancient and the Roman days. But yeah, like it just, it, it shocks me how, and, it, and, I, and, and I guess why, why I'm thinking about this, Amy, is that you, know, you talk about you know, the anxieties and stuff that people come to you with in terms, like with, like with, like with like tarot and, and other things that this is sort mm-hmm. of a way to kind of look past it. And sure, like they, I've been told that I'm conspiring with Satan, you know, and it's so funny because I do this very prayerfully. Like I know who I'm connecting with, you know, right. Um, and well, I, it, it's just funny when, well, also, if they could actually sit down and watch my process, you know, like at what point there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not only that, but I'm also talking about people who just in general have anxiety and then they mm-hmm. come for a tarot reading and it allows see, them to sort of see past it. And yeah. To get, um, soothing. Right. It's soothing. I'm a soother. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, and the, um, I mean, it's, it's interesting that our, you know, that our most listened to episode on this podcast is the one that we did about anxiety with Heather and Kana. Mm. Is it really? Yeah. That's our single most. And I think it's because of the topic. Because I think it's because it's Heather and Kana, not us. That too. <laughs> but I think. Um, Don't worry, guys. I'll lift here. But I think just ratings here. Working with teenagers and stuff, I'm seeing that like anxiety is such a huge thing, and yeah. people are very anxious in the world. And I think part of that anxiety is rooted to a lack of any kind of sense of spiritual that we sort of allow well, people to have. And so when we connect with it, it allows us to move past it. And. And to think that, like, we've had, as a, as, as a species, we've had these rituals. We've had these mechanisms, these practices in place to help us move past that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, going even outside of the Christian realm, we have things like Tai Chi. We have things like yoga, which, you know, these things can sort of can are interpermeable with different traditions. Mm-hmm. But they're all related to finding ways of being at peace and at, mm-hmm. and at you know, easing those things. And it's interesting that that's what we're 
you know, these things are on the rise because at the same time, we seem to be a more anxious society. So the question for as churches and other people get nervous about it, maybe the question is, is not, you know, is it that, oh, well, the darn liberals are corrupt in their minds. Mm -hmm. Is it that we've missed the very weird, dangerous thing that we're supposed to be about? Well, and that, yeah, and that's, and you touched on something I was going to say too, because, um, with with yoga and i for about a year i guess when i studied and went through kung fu with the the guy around here that wing chun kung fu um and they talk about chi chi and energy and internal energy and how to channel it and on the surface it sounds all hokey like yeah it's a kung fu guy talking about chi but then as you start thinking about it even if you even in their in their example, if you go to Kung Fu and you don't even think about it as a spiritual aspect in any way, shape, or form, if you just think literal energy and you think the idea of mentally getting in touch with the fact that when I move my hand forward, my mind is telling my hand how hard to move forward, how fast to move forward, where to stop, um, that is energy that is through your body. And if I am focusing on that energy focusing on not just throwing my arm around but thinking about why i'm moving my arm that way why i'm putting it there where i want it to stop how much force do i want to apply so that i don't waste my energy but i can stop whatever energy comes back at me um if you think about that just just from an energy point of view think spend it spend a day doing some task and thinking about how your mind and body are working together to accomplish that task. Like these Kung Fu yoga, these practices get in touch with this concept that I feel like the church has lost touch with, that all of these things, spirituality, um, psychology, physicality, it's all connected 100%. Mm-hmm. And in these practices, you literally are physically doing what you're spiritually experiencing. Does that make sense? Like yoga you're, is a physical expression of your spiritual self becoming in line with the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Kung Fu is a physical expression of tapping into that inner inner being and releasing it into the world, but controlled mm-hmm. so that you can impact the world in a good way and not cause mm-hmm. harm for harms for causing harm. Like these are concepts that are deeply spiritual, deeply psychological, mm. and yet they are physical practice. And the church has lost touch with with that idea of like we want to treat it as either um, a a washed a washed washed down uh, spirituality that's almost like a watered a down? psychology. There you go, watered down. Thank you. <laughs> a watered-down spirituality and just treat it like psychology or we want to treat it like academics only instead of realizing that it's supposed to be a fully life-encompassing thing and that things like taking part in baptism, taking part in communion are physical representations of spiritual spiritual concepts, Mm -hmm. ideas, and practices being lived out in a physical way. And I think that this is what the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament and you get to like 
the where God gives the Israelites the law, and you're reading this list of like, you need to be circumcised, you need to eat only this kind of food, you need to only wear this kind of clothes. The church today wants to treat it like this is a list of like how to apply this to your life is to realize that um, everything had a purpose and that you're doing like I, I can't even think of some cheesy way that they would twist it, but it becomes a legalistic concept. Don't see rated R movies. That's what it all boils down to. Right, exactly. <laughs> or, or do yoga of, or tarot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or read Harry Potter. Basically, guys, don't be us. Um, but instead of How realizing that the. <laughs> instead of realizing that the whole purpose of the law, the whole purpose of God giving that to the people was to physically set them apart from the world around them, to make every aspect of their life an aspect of their spiritual life, so that everything they're doing is constantly a spiritual, physical, tied into presentation, if you will, to the world looking on. It's to, the law was to create a, a certain type of, and this is a word that we completely misuse, so when I say it, some people listening are even going to get upset, but the law is to create a certain type of holiness, because holiness is not righteousness, like we like to use it and think, oh, he's so holy, like he's righteous. Holiness was to be completely set apart for God. Like holiness is to be outside of everything else, to be different, to stand out and Weird. be to be marked as to belonging be, to God. And like that's what the law was. consumed by the world, because that's like the default. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're not um, intentionally practicing discipline in some way, like you'll just get swept away, especially now, you know, like every advertiser is trying to convince you, um, you know, all kinds of things. And if you just allow your mind to be consumed with what everyone else is saying to you, you lose your connection with self and you lose your connection with God, you know, so it's a way of daily um, connecting and honoring what we have and really wanting to make the best of it. I think it's a way of showing our appreciation for what we have. But at the same time, like, I don't think God is butthurt. Like, if we, you know, drink too much coffee one day and get totally out of whack or something like that, that's our experience to deal with. You know, mm-hmm. we pay the consequences for that. And, you know, I think we're encouraged to make choices that are going to um, allow us to have the greatest potential experience. And I think it looks different for everyone else, you know, so it's not complete abstinence from you know, all alcohol or cigarettes or caffeine or whatever for every single person, you know, some of those people um, are going to have those experiences as part of their journey towards, you know, greater understanding and greater love, you know, and that's really what I think is most important is that we're, we're just staying in touch with our truth. um, Because I think that God intentionally made us all unique. Well, that that's and that here that leads me to a thought that I want to ask, and I love this is why I love our podcast, guys, because we have some interesting backgrounds and traditions that can speak. Um, just sitting right here, but um, you, what was the, the statement you just made? Oh, um, that yeah, I don't think God gets like upset that I drink a lot of coffee one day and I'm kind of like bouncing off the walls mm-hmm. and wired. And that's because I think that we spend so much time focused on the what we think is like abstinence from certain things is what God wants instead of diving into what I believe the, the 
Bible shows and what I believe the church is supposed to be is a body of believers gathered together trying to figure out how in the world this works Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And what that means is being able to constantly have a conversation about we know that there are truths that will not change. We know that truth is is there, that God gives it to us so that we can impact the world positively. But how we do that is a constant conversation. Mm. Like tattoos, are they okay now? Or because the Bible has a verse somewhere that says if you get a tattoo, you're in serious trouble. Or <laughs> if you cut your beard wrong. Or if you're wearing, and I know, the cheesy examples everybody gives but they're the most obvious mm-hmm. um if you wear clothes that are of a mixed fabric you're breaking the law like every Chuck one is of going us, to hell like I, yeah, totally going to hell one way ticket to every, i trim my beard wrong i have a tattoo us. and this is polycotton so <laughs> and and i mean I by that if you by that if you just went by from genesis 1 to the end of revelation i'm gonna live the bible how it says right. we've all that's that's not gonna happen and the church has throughout time decided that certain aspects of this were like, yeah, no, that doesn't mean now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you wear, well, why are we willing to have that discussion that wearing mixed clothes is okay now, but we're not willing to have the discussion about other things Mm -hmm. and how the truth applies to today's world and how we're supposed to live and interact with it. Mm -hmm. Because that to me is why um, the, when, Christ talks about giving the giving his people the church the keys to the kingdom and allowing them to bind and loose scripture that we are supposed to be in a constant constant discussion of God's truth is that he wants us to have unity with him and with our world and with each other he's he himself according to our belief system wanted it so much that he died so that it could happen how do we today make sure that unity and love and truth is what's being expressed and does that mean that certain things that we used to hold so fast to and say this is wrong need to be re-examined because that's not impacting our world with the truth of what god what god has said and what god has expressed through christ when Mm -hmm. he came to earth and died on a cross and rose again and then invited us to to be part of that to do to to go and do likewise like if a belief that you have is cutting you off from your loving nature, then you really need to question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, the truth of that. Matt, you you kind of brought something up that I that I find to be pretty interesting. That's something um, um I've actually been kind of um reading up on lately and stuff, which is sort of like a, a natural progression or evolution of uh, uh, culture. And uh, whether that's usually represented in religion or politics, uh different facets of life um which is that uh you know you talked about like you know chuck was, was joking you were talking about like how things the bible were saying that like you know mixed fabrics are evil or you can't trim your beard a certain way um and, and yet you know chuck you are a priest and you practice like a lot of what you can, some people would call ancient rituals every week yeah you know with yeah. communion yeah. and prayer and all that, and yet, you know, here you are. You you have a beard. You have tattoos. You're wearing mixed cottons. Or, you know, things like that. I think it's interesting that um, all of that came about because a certain point in our history, there was some kind of 
cultural revolution, whether it's like a huge revolution or just sort of like a cultural understanding of, oh, well, that's not like a big deal. We don't have to really do that. It's okay to get a tattoo. It's fine. Mm. There wasn't like some tattoo messiah or, <laughs> you know, um, but I think it's interesting how like we, and I, I don't know if it's like just a human nature thing or if it's our Western society. Uh, next up, I like to talk to, does Western society actually exist? Maybe. Um, why how, how, why are we so against the next like progression to the next level you know what i mean and yet we already kind of practice things that have gone through like that kind of revol- revolution am i making any sense whatsoever mm-hmm. right i think that it's just you kind of you know bump up next to again like what you can understand like if we were to go in a time machine and visit you know the colonial americans and show them you know, just our most basic technologies, um, they would accuse us of witchcraft, you know? Right. So yeah. it's when when you don't have a, you know, good understanding of, like, how something works or what the source um, of energy or intention behind the thing is that somebody else is doing, even tattoos, you know? When people were speaking out against tattoos, it probably coincided with the belief that that was somehow attaching them to some dark entity or something like that. But when you get like, oh, this is a this is a reminder for you to be strong during hard times. Well, I get that. That seems okay. You know what I mean? So when we, uh, you know, have more conversations and develop an understanding about things, but it's just the, the trouble is the people that are just unwilling to have those conversations lest, um, you know, it's just, again, it comes down to that whole, fear of eternal damnation which yeah right yeah, uh, yeah. who wants which that, holds back you know? every revolution right like that's what's always held it back <laughs> well <laughs> i think of i think of evolution i know we're, we're right, let's just finally let's just get it out there we're going to talk evolution on this podcast in case anyone had their their, their lingering doubts uh um, yeah bro that slaps let's do it but like evolution like just change in general right it it we see it as you know you know, when I was growing up as a fundamentalist, the idea that humans came from monkeys was absurd because, like, this the idea seems absurd. Like, how do you get from A to B? Like, that's just you know. But uh, the monkeys are still here. What right. Gives? Th- there's that 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 other terrible argument. But the <laughs> but the idea of like what microevolution, like little things that shift over time, that as they mm-hmm. compound, it becomes something completely new. So making the leap is hard. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's the little things like I, you, Amy, you're talking about going back in time to colonial times. Like I often think about like if I were to go back in time and I were to show like if I to show like an American colonist an iPhone or a lighter or a lighter. <laughs> but like, a, yeah. but like, 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 let's think of an iPhone. Just let's go to mm-hmm. that. Like, something that we take for granted every single day. How weird is this technology? Because first of all, you would have to be on board with a couple of things. One, telephones. Um movie screens, televisions. So like there's all these idea like these ideas of centuries that have just sort of compounded into this one piece of technology that for us like we've walked that journey with it. Mm-hmm. And so when we got it, we were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um but when you don't even right. have the frame of reference for the for just the the telephone, the whole concept is just so like why would you like, like it's it's magic, right? It's it's mm-hmm. and it's and it's just insanity. Um and so so I'm also gonna mention Chuck Klosterman. Chuck Klosterman is a is a is a pop culture critic. Um, he wrote a book. Super uh, hipster. Super hipster. He's written a lot of books. One the one that I've read is called um, "Eating the Dinosaur," and he talks about the NFL. and He says that the NFL is actually the most progressive um, 
sport in America, like mainstream sport in America. Um, but it's successful because it keep, it maintains a veneer of conservatism. But every year the NFL revises rules and changes and that like if we were to look at if we were to look at professional football even like 30 years ago, it would almost be incomprehensible to the kind of professional football we see today. Now, I don't watch football, so I don't know. I know that, that JP could maybe speak more to this. But it is a fascinating thing that if, <laughs> if, if the NFL were to constantly advertise their changes and make a big deal and highlight their changes, people would mm-hmm. – their average viewership would not go with them because they say, oh, they're constantly changing things. But they mm-hmm. do stuff kind of so subtly while maintaining this big, like, America conservative type thing that people think that it is a constant when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think – so there's a there's a genius to that in terms of marketing, of course, mm. um, but it it speaks to the fact that we are resistant to change, but we also fail to acknowledge the little changes that happen all the time, mm. right? And 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 that you know, like like again, tattoos. Tattoos had their origin. Well, first of all, tattoo is a terrible translation of the Hebrew word um, there because tattoo is a Hawaiian word and. Um, oh. Yeah. So, so there's a whole concept there that is not equivalent to what is being condemned in the book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. Um, cause what, what's happening in Leviticus is that people would take ashes, I believe the ashes of the dead and they would rub mm-hmm. them into burns on their bodies to create these tattoos as a way to sort of like keep the dead close. Um, and so that goes against the prohibition of having, of touching dead things. Um, mm-hmm. so the idea of then taking like, well, squid ink and a fishbone hammer and making a design on your body. Well, that's a very different concept than what mm-hmm. is being condemned in Leviticus. And so, but of course we, you know, we, we don't recognize those subtleties and those differences. And so we make a visceral response at one point, but yeah. then we've made these arguments over time to say, well, no, no, these are different. This is what this is. And you said like, no, I'm getting this to remind me of, you know, to keep strong in tough times or whatever. This is a very different concept than I want to keep my dead, you know, my dead brother, like a part of my body always. Um, um, or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just the change is it's gradual and that's how change unfortunately has to work. It's tough for us to make the big leaps. Um, Mm. and it's fascinating how we react. I mean, I'm the same way. Like if somebody tells me we're going to change something, like I'm like, no, don't change it. Like I I like this, this way. (laughs) Guilty. But then when you start to think about, oh, well, no, it's, it's part of a trajectory. If you think in its full history, you realize change is a constant. And so it's, it's going to change in the future. It's just learning to, to walk with those changes. So, yeah. And learning yeah. that like you're part of that, you know, and yeah. setting up. people are watching you and people are listening to you. Amy, I'm curious. Do you, do you find that people are becoming, um, especially Christian people, mm-hmm. are, are becoming more open and more, um, um, just more open to the ideas that you're, you're, you know, starting mm-hmm. to explore with tarot reading and, and even yeah, like yoga. I yeah, I have, you know, been asked to read for many people who uh, consider themselves to be Christians, mm-hmm. um, and I find that people individually, you know, but they also tend to like recognize like. Well, I could never tell, you know, my church family this, but I feel, you know, so that's what you're starting to see is, is right. people being more willing to um, honor and express their inner truth and their beliefs and less of that sort of lazy dependency on the preacher to translate everything in the Bible for him and tell him what it means, you know, which and is usually so, so part of that is not education. even correct most of the time. So, right. 
um, well, that's I, I find that to be really interesting because you know, like I said, I, I I've I've tried yoga before. I have my Nicolas Cage yoga mat, um, and you know, I definitely grew up in a time when like it was definitely hammered into me. Don't you dare ever try yoga? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they made Pilates, and it was like, oh well, as long as it's called yeah, Pilates, Pilates, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love. Oh. I love. I love that has like the reaction to yoga because it's like it's just calisthenics, guys. Like it's stretching. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've gotten it's into, the occult. How? I know. I know. I, I mean, I've gotten into fights with people. Like, and I just remember in college, a friend just storming out of the room because I refused to like acknowledge that it, that it's, it's it's i mean it's it's not it's not that thing like mm-hmm. it's, it, i think well, it's jp just... i said i'm sorry for leaving the room <laughs> you don't need to bring it up I know, it's... <laughs> took a break after that and it was you know <laughs> <laughs> but so i just i think it's just that people are becoming more open to it and i think it's because i think for the for longest people have people have been just been lied to really mm. you know and, and i feel like the way that we're talking about spirituality now on this podcast and the way um, I, I don't think it was, and maybe it's just because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cynical. I don't think it's like on accident. I, I, I do think that there might be a hesitant, not, I'm not going to say hesitant because I do think that there is, there are probably church leaders who, who don't want their followers to have, or to feel a spiritual connection. Mm. Like I, I feel, I remember growing up and whenever I kind of had a more spiritual approach to my faith, people warning me, be careful, JP, you sound mm. mystic. Mm. Like you don't want to be a Christian. Yeah. Mystic. You start getting those warnings as soon as something <laughs> is meaningful to you. Like, whoop. And I just remember thinking like, why not? Like <laughs> what, what, what's, what's, what could possibly go wrong if I, if I start having a more spiritual mindset? If, if spirituality is so conflated with things like peace and um, becoming more enlightened and, and becoming more um, at ease with what I believe, then what in the world could go wrong? And it always just kind of came down to, well, you could get final destination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, like you know, there's, there's a story like, uh, if I play the Ouija board, I, or, you know, my sister played the Ouija board and she got hit by a truck the next day. So it's, you know. I, can I talk about the Ouija board for just a second? Because here's the here's the thing about the Ouija board is is because I, I I have friends of mine like current clergy brought friend. to you by Mattel. Yeah, well that's that's yeah. my point. So I have, I have even cler- current clergy friends who are very like wary of the Ouija board. Guys, this is why I won't play Monopoly. I'm just saying. <laughs> but is like okay, how how like you can buy it at Toys R well you can't buy it at Toys R Us anymore because. Silence. See, they played no. with the Ouija board, and now but, they're gone. But it's, the giraffe. but it's like it's 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 rooted in like dry reading and stuff like that. Like if there's nothing like, like my attitude about the Ouija board is like I'm not going to do the Ouija board because I think it's silly, and I think that like scientifically it's proven to just sort of be like random. Like there's nothing more to it. Um, but like people get like, oh, it's the devil. Oh, it's satanic. Like, um, eh, like, yeah. in a spiritual sense, is that my understanding is when the Ouija board is used, it's kind of just like, um, hey, you know, are there any spirits in the room? Kind of this like random like whomever. Like I'll communicate with any, you know, disembodied right. soul. Whereas tarot, see, tarot was uh, like the tarot um, tradition I used was developed 
within the Catholic Church. Right. And so the imagery is almost like, you know, a specific language. And so when I do read with the tarot, I set the intention to connect, you know, with God, with the highest source and stuff. So I prefer, like, if I'm going to practice any type of divination to make that intention to connect only with, because I don't know, you know, I don't want to have conversations with, you know, who knows spirits and what kind of they have going on. So I just, I have always avoided that completely. But then I have friends um, who are fine doing that. And a girlfriend of mine jokingly said like, oh yeah, it's been a whole zombie apocalypse in there, but she kind of recognizes her own power to just shoo everyone out when she's had enough of that. So yeah, different different ways of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just see from my personal feelings on it is that I feel if, like, I, I, like, I, I do believe in a devil. Like, I do believe in demonic mm. forces in the, in, 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 in the universe. Um, but I feel like, I, well, I don't necessarily believe in, like, a Satan, like a, like a one-figure person. I, we can get into that whole conversation mm. another time. But I, um, but I feel like it's giving that figure more credit than they're due when we say mm-hmm. things like, oh, the Ouija board is a tool of the devil. Like mm-hmm. if we, if we can just say that actually, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a parlor trick. Like it's a gimmick that some people, yeah. you know, like they, you know, I mean, people put into it whatever they want, you know, but it just seems to me like it's, I would rather, I would rather recognize that as a Christian, the devil is sort of exposed as being, but is sort of being impotent. Because the one thing that the devil had was death. And because of Easter, death no longer applies because like, death's not permanent. So like even the one thing the devil has is taken away. And mm. so the whole game now is, is this is like a mutinied captain barking orders from the brig. I, I would rather keep it in that context than to say like, oh, no, no, there's, these, this, this, there's this thing going. Like, it just seems like, it, like I said, it gives it more power than it, it gives this, this figure more power than they're due. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I would rather, I would rather like say like, you know, this is a figure that is, I mean, I, I, I know that there are some people probably listening to this podcast right now that are probably starting to like, Oh no, father Charles, you are being corrupted <laughs> by the devil. You are, you know, the greatest, the greatest lie the devil ever told was convincing the right. world that he didn't exist, which, you know, is not biblical. Um, that comes from, <laughs> I believe Dante, but, um, uh, I thought mm. it came from Kaiser Sosa. Usual. I thought, was, I thought it was a, uh, it's maybe I don't know. It's probably Dante. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm 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 bad jokes. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. It probably comes from the Devil's Advocate, really. But um, <laughs> okay. I um, great movie. But anyway, I just I but I, that's my attitude on a lot of this stuff is that like let's put it in its proper context rather than immediately saying that like you know oh it's of the devil. Well, like you said like absolutely most Christians probably well, don't, most Christians probably don't know that the tarot tradition comes out of Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't know that. And that, but of course, that speaks to the anti-Catholic nature of a lot yeah. of Protestant Christianity, who would condemn mm, it right. because to them, Catholicism is is paganism, just in a different, in different garb. Well, it was you know a specific group within Roman Catholicism that even I think some Roman Catholics didn't want to participate in what they had going sure. on. They called it the Catholic occult. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I mean, oh, but it's also I mean, metal. Roman Catholicism. <laughs> Roman Catholicism is very like it's a huge diverse body of people and like yeah. it's not as homogenous as like as like the, the 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 independent baptist types want to want to make us think mm-hmm. um but anyway yeah that's all i gotta say i just sort of just well to... in tarot there is a devil card and the devil card in tarot refers to uh bondage 
it really refers to like our inability to kind of get on to the next you know good experience we can have because we have this attachment and the imagery is um of you know a man and a woman and they're nude you know in the picture to show their vulnerability um in this situation and in one deck that I have, they're in this like dark cave and there's this big treasure chest and all, all these chains and they're not actually chained to the treasure chest, but they're holding to it and they're reaching for the light at the other end of the tunnel, but they can't get there because they're clinging to this treasure chest. And so, um, you know, when it comes up in a reading, it's talking about things like addiction, whether it be to substance or to belief systems that are preventing us from, um, you know, experiencing all that life has for us and wants for us right it's 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 it speaks to what c.s lewis says in um i think it is i want to say it's i think it's either miracles or problem of pain i always want to say abolition of man but i always misquote that book so i'm just going to be hesitant on that one but he talks about hell and he says rebellious to the end the gates of hell are locked from the inside that Mm -hmm. hell is a space of our own making rather Mm -hmm. than a place that we're cast into and and that, that to me speaks to that to that reality. And I see that, that as, we could at any choose at moment, choose to walk away from this and right. be free from it, but it's up to us. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. That, that like ultimately we've been liberated from this thing. Right. And, mm-hmm. but it's just, we keep holding on to these other things that, you know, we're, we're thinking, uh, yeah, it's just, we hold on to our own dead weight. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And that's what I love about tarot, you know, like to say that to someone that's really, in a rut in their life, you know, and to like actually have the moment to reflect on their freedom, you know, that they really truly are free to walk away from this if they so choose that the choice is up to them, that they're, that they're not cursed. You know, that's something as a tarot reader, you get, am I cursed? You know, no, I've never (laughs) read for anyone that I found to be cursed. It's always up to us. Well, that's what you've made me think of, um, the lore podcast where he talks about stories and how stories take on a life and power Mm. of their own and how basically the subject matter of the story no longer needs to be true or false because the story has become its own being in Mm. a sense. And curses, he did a great episode Mm. on curses talking about where if somebody's like, am I cursed? Mm -hmm. I mean, your answer could be yes, because you have allowed yourself to believe that there is something on you that has control over you that you can't escape that would be a quote-unquote curse. Mm -hmm. And your belief belief. has made it a reality whether or not it really exists isn't the question. You've made it a reality by believing the story that you're told. What's so unfortunate, you know, and, you know, here I'm working, between yoga and tarot, there's so much more gobbledygook out there than there are, um, people that are practitioners, you know, in integrity and authenticity. And so when you see these, uh, you know, neon sign psychics, the great majority of them are scam artists, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And there's the tendency to, you know, oh, you know, the devil card comes up or the tower, like, oh, you know, and they go into this story and they tell people uh, that they are cursed, you know, that they have this curse on their family or that they have some demon attached to them or something and they need, you know, this list of, um, you know, this prescribed list by them, or I need to light this candle for you for so long. And they rob people mm-hmm. to lift he, these curses that they just made up. Call me now. Funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, Amy, everything you just described, I've heard in churches too. So. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I've, I've had pastors tell that to my family. Yeah, humans are amazing. We do that. That's we, amazing. Yeah, we, yeah, it's charlatans wear different, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's all snake oil. We all find ways yeah. of just putting it in like the marketing that, you know, that people are looking for, right? Right. You know, and that's, that's the really unfortunate thing. I just, I, I know we're going to try to wrap up here. I just wanted to talk right. real quick. One, a, a book that I've been very fascinated by in recent years and um, is, um, I think his name is Fitz, Fitzgerald or Fitzpatrick, the author's name, but it's called On Bullshit. And it, uh, I've wanted to read that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was like really popular. It was sold as like a gag gift kind of novelty book at like Urban yeah. Outfitters and stuff um, several years ago. But it's actually this guy's um, from Princeton. It's his um, philosophy doctoral dissertation. He wrote it in like the late 80s. And he talks about bullshit as a philosophical category. And he says that, you know, philosophy is all about the search for truth. And so typically we talk about philosophy as the battle between truth and falsehood. But he says that bullshit is a bigger enemy to the truth than falsehood because falsehood or a lie needs the truth in order to be effective. Bullshit does not care one way or the other. And so it's, it's a much more dangerous enemy for us. Mm -hmm. And it's very prescient for him to have written this in the late 80s, now in the age of fake news and, and all these other things that we're seeing right now. And it's like, and it's like you're saying, Amy, like, yeah, there's so much gobbledygook in the world you know, whether yoga, tarot, the church, all of it. And what it does is it winds up because people just spout their bullshit everywhere. Mm -hmm. It, it affects all of us who are committed to truth. Yes. And, and, and so, and so we have to thing. be willing to name it <laughs> and also be committed to it because I'm a firm believer as what Jesus says, the truth will set us free. Mm -hmm. right. Um, and right. so, so like our ability not to get like bogged down, you know, because that's, you know, how it gets us too. you know, right. it's even happening yeah. in politics, you know, where the people that really want to stand up for the right thing are getting uh, like gaslighted almost, you know, when mm -hmm. they're going off oh, on these yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy look what trips. This is a totally different topic, but look, well look what happened to James you know, Gunn. But... Yeah. Um, well, great. I think that's a good place to leave off if everyone's okay with that. Uh, well, and, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, the last thing I'll say, um, because I think this episode turned out to be incredibly deep not our usual riff riff episode thank you Amy. Um, yeah thanks Amy. yes thank you can't do shallow conversations but i <laughs> but i will say i i love that we we hit this topic and that it naturally came up because it's something like i said my wife and i've been discussing and we're talking about and just i i, I do feel like the church has we see this exodus from the church while there's this rising interest in spirituality because i feel like the church has become a place where you go to hear quote-unquote spiritual truths and then figure out how we apply those to every day instead of a place where you come together to discuss truth and realize that spiritual is our everyday life and that we need to live it out and talk about it and figure it out together and that church is supposed to be the realization that mind body soul this this all is you're you're already there it's not i need to learn how to develop my spiritual life it's i need to learn how to live and that's what we're supposed to be doing together based on the truth that we've been given and and that's that's what what I want to see and what I desperately want to be a part of and feel like I've lacked so many times in my life is just a understanding and belief that 
we have truth that God wants us to be in a state of union with him, with each other, with ourselves and with our planet. Mm. That is our truth. Now we need to learn how to live together and just go live, be together, experience it together and constantly remind ourselves of that truth while we are living our everyday life and realize that our physical is our spiritual, our spiritual is our physical and figure out how to live. Move, yeah, moving past that Western dualism. I, um, Absolutely. I, and, and at the risk of, of keeping us going, even though I, I, we have to wrap up, um, but is it just made, you made me think something, Matt, that I've been thinking about and trying to figure out how to like sort of talk about even within this, this episode. But we, and so I'm just going to throw it out there. It's maybe something just as a sort of food for thought thing. But as we, you, know, you and I, we've talked about church a lot on this episode. Um, and just yesterday, as I was walking into my, my parish, where um, in the mornings I say my prayers, um, I was thinking about this, the physical building, and I was thinking of the issues that we deal with and the question of, is this building, I was thinking of bodies of water, and I was realizing that, is this a reservoir or is this a wellspring? You know, a reservoir mm-hmm. is where you trap and contain water. A wellspring is where things flow from, flow out of it. And yeah. I think part of the problem is we've turned these things into reservoirs rather than making them wellsprings. Mm. So there's my, yeah, mis- there's it's, my mystical statement. through there. us. You know, we are like the vessel and we are the, mm. the, um, the hands and the voice of God, like now, like right here, right now. You know, this is where... Uh, it's all happening. So we need to connect, you know, and then, of course, uh, yoga and the other disciplines that I've studied, there are specific practices that you do to do that that have worked really well for me. Um, and the last thing that I'll say is, I, you know, I grew up in the church and I remember, you know, through elementary school and through middle school, like I would redo the salvation prayer so many times <laughs> because I wasn't feeling it, you know, and I would think like, well, maybe I didn't really mean it last time, you know, but I was really lacking um, uh, a connection, you know, a way to connect. And, you know, I think that everyone does have a different way to connect. For some people, it could be through painting, you know, and some more benign um, techniques of really getting into the moment. And, you know, the Bible does talk so much about the breath of God, you know, and so how can we really incorporate um, that concept into our life and make that connection of like every breath we take that, you know, in that moment, it's, it's a holy, you know, and recognizing that I think psychologically, really, really makes a difference for people, you know, so that it doesn't feel like this concept that's outside of you that you can't really access um, and use in your life. Because I think we can access it and use it in our life and we should do it by any means necessary. Amy. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) You did wonderful. Um, Thank you for joining Mm us. Um, So I think it's going to be a good place uh, to end. And uh, we're all, uh, Amy's going to teach us all how to hula hoop. (laughs) Oh, got to be awesome because I've tried and it is, uh, because I've seen you do it and it's awesome and I cannot do it. (laughs) I can do it around my wrist. Uh, I can do the the trick where you you, you flail it uh, along the ground and it comes back to you. Um, that, that's, that's the extent of my hula hooping skills. Keep anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, Amy, thank you. Uh, Father Chuck, thank you. You're very welcome. Matt Wells. Matt? I think you nodded off. <laughs> uh, 
Yes, I'm here. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just giving a sign off. Thank you. Would you like Would you like to say thank you? Would you feel like you? Yes. Thank you, Matt Wells. You You know you are so very welcome. It is your <laughs> pleasure to have me on here, and you're welcome. Yeah. You know, anyway, but... <laughs> uh, everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week. Uh, we will be back next week. And and just because we allowed you to have this discussion with Amy listening over the over your radio speaker phone whatever you're on right now doesn't mean you get to go write the next book it's mine back off so, <laughs> <laughs> so having said that again uh, join us next week and uh, have a wonderful week good journey good journey good journey you want to say it Amy good journey yeah <laughs> <laughs>